Amen. Please be seated. I lost my voice again. That song is too good. Thank you, team. Brilliant stuff. Well, we're not allowed to mention yesterday, but I was amongst a bunch of people that were getting pretty excited. It's better to be in a bunch of people excited about Jesus, though. That's much better. Yeah, I thought you might say that. Hallelujah. Hey, <laughs> uh, could have been anybody's. Hey, I, I, I just want to carry on our conversation because I've really been just enjoying hanging out and really finding space with God this last few weeks. But I must admit, it ain't that easy. It ain't that easy, eh? Because there's a lot of things that seem to get in the way of just trying to hang out with God. Has anybody ever, I'll tell you what, let's have a bit of feedback because I'm just wondering if you're out there today. What's the place that you reckon that you've been to or experience you've had that you think everybody should have? Like you've been, like, I mean, Mark and I went up north and, oh, my goodness, that's gorgeous. You've just got to go. What's a place you've been to? I know these guys have just been away. I bet you've got some, some little places you go and everyone's got to go there. Come on, tell me, where's some places you think everyone should go to? Travel, oh, that's Tribal Wars Youth Group. Friday night. Is it this Friday night? It's coming soon. We've got to get there. Yeah, where else? Come on. And I'm going to tell you why some people can't go there in a minute. Okay? There's some people who can't get there. Like old people, right? Yeah. You're there. Oh, sorry. But you're not old. You are young in heart. Okay. Come on. What else? Tell me a place you think everyone should get to. Sorry? The beach. Yes. Not today. But yes, yeah, church, of course, of course. See, I was away, Mark and I were away up in the bush in the middle of nowhere, and I went, Kath Cox has got to come here. It was just awesome. And Kath says, no way. No way, not as you put a five-star hotel in there where I can have. But I'm going, you see, and I proper. I had a toilet. <laughs> it was plastic and you had chemicals, but it worked. <laughs> you see, there's some places that you've got to get to, but there's something that holds us back. A little while ago, Marg and I were over in Chicago. Anyone been to Chicago? Yep, right. Anyone climbed the big building? The Sears building? Willis building? No? There's a big building over there, right? It's big. It's called the, it's now called the Willis building. Sorry? It used to be that once. Come on. Sorry, Tower. I stand corrected. This is now called the Willis Tower. It's the Willis Tower, and it's big. It's 110 stories at about 500 plus meters up into the sky. It is massive. And out in this building, 110 stories high, there's this glass platform box. You see that? I'm shaking my head, right? It's... And, and I went, Mark, we've got to do this, right? And a team of us decided that we were going to go to this tower. Look at it. Isn't it awesome? 110 stories up in the sky, standing out on glass. It was, it was, you're still shaking your head. It's, it was awesome. But you see, I have a problem. I know I have a few problems. But there's a couple of problems that do seem to get in my way. I love heights. No problems. Heights are good, right? Absailing, that sort of stuff. Love it. But holes, claustrophobia freaks me out. Now, we've got to get to the top of this building, which was okay, but they told us there was 
lots of people. There was lines. I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to get stuck in a crowd of people. But we walked into the building. There was hardly anybody there. Yeah. We walked a little bit further. Still not many people around. I went, this is good. This is to ourselves. Plenty of space. It's going to be great. We bought our tickets. There wasn't many people lining up for tickets. It was great. And then once I bought my tickets and we went through the door, there was the people of Israel all piled up, all in those funny sheep little things, running up and down, up and down. I'm going, oh, no, we're going to be here forever. And we were. And it was ghastly. But I was still okay. Until we got just to the end of the line and I saw my greatest fear, the lift. It wasn't just a lift that went 110 stories up into the sky. They opened the lift door and about a million people walked out of that lift. And I'm thinking, you are not going to get me in that box. I'm going to die in a box, but I'm not going to be alive in a box. And all these people crammed in, and I'm standing there, and I'm freaking. Now, I don't know about you, but when you freak out, you either get sweaty hands, or you start to get, you know, heart, or maybe you start getting tummies, or maybe you might start passing wind. But something happens, right? Now, we're standing there. If you look to this picture, this guy here, he's my hero. Standing next to Margie. Margie's my hero too. But this, this guy here, he's, past, he's a pastor of a church in Brisbane. And he knew that I was suffering from claustrophobia. So he stands alongside me. You can see he's a little bit shorter than me. He stands alongside me. He says, Steve, it's okay. It's going to be okay. We'll make space for you. Right? I don't know how you're going to do that. We'll make space for you, Steve. It's okay. And he's talking it up. Right? It's going to be all right. We're going to get up there. You're going to love it up there, Steve. It's going to be fantastic. He didn't seem to talk much about the experience, which I'll tell you why later on. But he keeps saying, it's going to be all right. So we get into the lift. I'm the last one. I'm thinking, and they're saying, more, more. And I go, less, less. And they go, more, more. And they're pushing them in. And I was, and everyone's saying, come on, Steve. And I walked in. And he pushed everybody to the back, right? For this place. I think it might have been concerned about the wind problem. But I'm not sure. But... We're in this lift. We get to the top. I'm watching the numbers go. One, two, three. Oh, my goodness. 110 yet. And we're getting to the top. Opens the door. I'm out of there. I'm free. It's so good. You see, the lift could have stopped me from the experience of that, which is what was so amazing. But you'll notice that um, when we got up there, Pastor Dan, who knew that I was fearful of claustrophobia, I knew that he had a fear of heights. So we were a good team because when we got to the top, I'm talking him up. But I discovered the reason he was talking me up down the bottom so he didn't have to think about what was at the top. And the reason I was talking him up, up the top, so I didn't have to think about how I was going to get to the bottom. So we were helping each other out here. And I wonder sometimes if there is an invitation for us to go somewhere that's amazing, that's incredible, that's life-changing. But what would stop us from getting there? What would be the thing that would stop me from getting there? And I wonder for us as a church, where I believe that the God is calling, there's a cry out from God right now. There's a cry from Him. 
The songs the guys picked today was all about that cry. There's a cry of God saying, come, come to me. Come, worship me. Come and have intimacy with me. But what would stop me from getting there? What would God stop me from getting to the height where Jesus wants us to go in relationship with him? What stops me from getting there? The other day I've been, been really pushing into this and enjoying some times where I've had to make time to go and sit on the mountain and just, just not, take, not go and do a quiet time. Do your quiet times. But it isn't about doing the ritual. It's not about praying for my prayer list. It's about sitting with God and being still. And I've been working hard at saying, God, I just want to be still and know that you are God. So I'm sitting up on the hill. I'm having this great time. And I just felt in my heart that for some reason I should ring Andrew Gardner, the speaker that we've got coming. And, uh, and I was just starting to get to the end of my time. And, and I thought, I'll Skype him from on top of the mountain. So I Skyped him. Then he didn't get it. He Skyped me back. So he rings me back. And we're talking. You, you're going to enjoy Andrew. He's such an amazing guy and such a beautiful man. And, and I was just having to talk to him about what's coming up and where we're at as a church and preparing him. And he says, Steve, can I pray for you? Now, he's in Hong Kong. This guy runs a church called Divines, as Maggie said, about 4,000 4, people. I think it is 5,000 people. It's a huge church. He travels all over the world. He um, runs a justice, uh, he heads up a justice conference over in Hong Kong um, and very passionate about what he does, but a beautiful man, a God gift to us, church. And I hope you take hold of this God gift when he comes, because he is. I sat there and thought, how did, on earth did this happen? But he sits there, he's sitting there in his, in his office in Hong Kong and says, Steve, can I pray for you sitting on top of the mountain in Kalamunda? And I went, you bet. So there he is, he's praying for me. And he says, God's given me this word for you, Steve. And he said it off the top of his head, but I'm going to read it from the scripture. It says this, after the man brought me back around, this is Ezekiel 43, 1, around to the east gateway, suddenly the glory of the God of Israel appeared from the east. The glory of God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of his coming was like a roar of rushing waters and the whole landscape shone with glory. Could you imagine that? And then he says this, and the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the east gate. The Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court and the glory of the Lord Filled the temple. I love that. Because as he prayed that over us, as he prayed that over me, it was like God saying, I made that possible on the cross. Because on the cross, that temple, that the thing that divided us was ripped. The curtain was ripped at the temple. That we have access into the holy place, it tells us in the scriptures. We have that. And God's saying, I've made it possible. Come, come, step into. I believe that's a call of God for us as a church. But what stops me from getting there? Because there is. And I want us to go back and have a look at that. We're going to continue the story of Exodus. 
The Exodus is a great book. You could read that for a whole year. It's a great book. I believe it's a prophetic book. You could go through all the, the different um, meanings behind the, the plagues, the ten plagues. You can go through the examples of Christ in there. It's, Exodus is an amazing book because there's so much in it, and we cannot do the whole lot. So I've just prayed and said, God, what is it you are saying to us? Because for me, one of the aspects of Exodus is that God took them to a place of worship before he took them to a place of promise. God took them to a place of worship before he took them to a place of promise. He met, he met Moses on the very mountain of worship where he wanted to take the people of God to. Because I want you to worship before I give you the promise. There's a promise waiting for us, but it starts in the place of worship. It starts in the place of engagement. It starts in the place of intimacy. So Moses, let's go into the story here. Here's Moses. Now, in Exodus. And, and what's happening here is, remember, the people have been in captivity, been under slavery for 400 years. 400 years. There's a few generations gone through by now, right? 400 years. They can, only they can only hear stories of what it was used to be like before slavery. They've never experienced that. Slavery's become their life. Slavery's become their culture. Slavery's become who they are. 400 years. Moses comes along. Remember, he was, he was chosen out of the bulrushes. He stayed with Pharaoh. He lived in the house of Pharaoh. He was, he was privileged. God was setting him up for this day of exodus. And Moses understood that privilege. And one day he goes down to the people and he thinks he's going to use that privilege to set them free and ends up killing one of the Egyptians and hides him. Next day he comes down and he sees the people of God arguing and he says, guys, stop it. And they go, you're going to kill us too? They've lost trust in him. They've lost respect for his leadership. And so he says, it's time to go. So Moses leaves, the, he escapes, and he spends 40 years, again, living outside of his leadership call, leading outside of his promise. He's out there until one day, as I said last week, he ends up on a mountain in front of a burning bush and starts to talk to him, starts to share with him, starts to call him closer, starts to call him into the presence and starts to give him the mantle to lead the people to a promised place. But let's pick up the story. Let's look at what happens. It's a long scripture, but let's read it. Father God, as we read this scripture today, would you bring power to it? Would we hear and see things we've never heard or seen before? But not, we don't just want to know it in our heads, God. If this word by your spirit doesn't go into our heart and our spirit and change us, then it's just a word. But you said word brings life. If it's your word. Bring life to us today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go. After the presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. Have you got this? Exodus 5. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. In other scriptures, it says, let my people go so they might worship me. Let my people go that they might worship me. Let the church go so that it can worship God. Let my people go that they might worship me. 
Is that so? Retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. If we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with the sword. Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from the tasks? Go back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land and you are stopping them from their work. They, that same day, Pharaoh sent the order to the Egyptian slave, drive, slave drivers and the Israelite foreman. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves. But still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they are crying out. Let's go and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. So the slave drivers and the foreman went out and told the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not provide any more straw for you. Go and get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can. But you must produce just as many bricks. I pressed the wrong button there. Come back, come back, come back. Where was that? As before. I'm going to read it off there now because I lost, my, I lost the line. So, the people were scattered throughout the land of Egypt and searched for the, stumble, the stubble to use as straw. Meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your daily quotas of bricks, just as you did when we provided you with straw, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelite foreman that um, they had put into in charge of the working crew. Why haven't you met your quotas either yesterday or today, they demanded. So the Israelite foreman went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him. Please, don't treat your servants like this, they begged. We are giving no straw, but the slave drivers still demand, make bricks. We are beaten, but it isn't our fault. Your own people are to blame. But Pharaoh shouted, you're just lazy, lazy. That's why you're saying, let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told, you must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. Done nothing to rescue them. As they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, May the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hand, an, ex an excuse to kill us. 
Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, Why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. And you have done nothing to rectify them, to rescue them. I must have missed that bit. You have done nothing to rescue them. Hey, this story tells me of a story that fits my story. And maybe today fits your story. Because you see, here you've got this situation where Pharaoh, who, who is the slave driver, is meeting with a man who's quoting a God he knows nothing about, but sees his revenue being reduced. And the people of Israel, who are being called to worship, yet there were some things holding them back. See, the first thing that was holding them back was control. See, there was a control of a king. And all the slave drivers were controlling the people of Israel. They could not get out of that control. They couldn't get out of it. It was binding them. It was stopping them from moving out to the place of worship. You know, control has the ability to hold us back from that. And you might say, yeah, that's true. But the spirit of control can actually live in most things. You see, I wonder what controls you. Finances can control us. We know that. Remember the guy who came to Jesus and said, I've done all the right things. I've done all the religious things. How can I, what, enter the kingdom of God? How can I come into intimacy? How can I become one with you, Jesus? And he said, here's your problem. Go and sell everything you've got. I can't do that. Why? His possession was controlling him. I want to suggest even more was controlling him. His pride of being able to do a good job, being a good person, was stopping him. His dependence upon himself was stopping him from entering into relationship with Jesus. His, his, his dependence upon doing the right thing called religion was stopping him from actually accepting the gift that Jesus had. I wonder what stops us. I wonder what actually controls us. Jesus met a man in, uh, in the Gospels. You hear the story. He meets this guy who's demon-possessed, and he's going around the tombs, and he's cutting himself, and he's cutting himself. And Jesus casts out the demon, but he keeps on cutting himself, and he keeps on hurting himself, and he's possessed by a controlling spirit. And Jesus calls the spirit legion. Why? See, legion was an army. Was an army, a controlling army that was over him and controlling him. I wonder what it is that controls me. I remember hearing once somebody saying, debt has the power over you. Because if Jesus was calling you to go somewhere and you say, sorry, I can't go because I've got a mortgage and I've got these debts, and I've got these bills to pay. Let me tell you who's speaking. It's the mortgage, not Jesus, that's determining where you go. I wonder what controls us. I wonder what it is that controls Steve Hall, that stops him. Maybe it's controlled by what people think of me. Maybe it's the control of, of those watching the footy on a Sunday afternoon. I wonder what it is that controls me and stops me from going into the place. 
I wonder what it is. You see, this is what Jesus said in the promise. Well, this is what God said in the promise. Later on, in, in um, Exodus 6, he says this. You got that control slide? The first thing is control. It's gone. Okay, go to my notes. There we go. This is what, Jesus, this is what the Lord said in Exodus 6. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. You see, in this promise is the freedom that comes. I am the Lord. When I make him Lord, other things can't control me. When he becomes Lord, others can't become Lord. Who is the Lord? The Lord is that which I allow to oversee me and to be the one that would lead me. You see, when he is Lord, others can't be Lord. When I make him Lord over my circumstance, other things can't control me. I will be their Lord, not Pharaoh. I will be their provider, not Pharaoh. I will be their Lord. That's the first promise out of the place of being stopped from worship is to know he is our Lord. When we praise the name of Jesus, we are lifting him up as Lord. We are breaking the strongholds of control in our lives. What's controlling us? The second thing I find, not just control, but slavery. You see, they were bound to slavery. That had become who they were. They were bound to the slavery, and that's all that they knew. And when, when Moses came along and stirred that up, they said, leave us alone. Let us go back to the things that we're happy doing. Because we're safe and comfortable in there. That's what happens when we get caught up in addictions. Many years ago, I met with a guy who had broken an addiction of alcohol. And I had him come and speak around some high schools with me. And I remember sitting with him one day and said, what was the turnaround for you? Because he said, I tried to give up and I didn't. I tried to give up. Alcohol was just, it was just wrecking my life. And he said, one day I went out and I bought my favorite bottle of whiskey. And I had it sitting on the table. And I was reflecting as I hadn't quite taken the top off yet. I was looking at that bottle thinking, what a fool I am that this bottle is controlling my life. I've become a slave to this bottle. You see, this bottle has taken my business. This bottle has taken my family. This bottle has taken my life. This bottle has made me broke. This bottle is putting me onto the streets. This bottle is controlling my life. I have become a slave to this bottle. And I didn't want that. To, I thought how dumb that was. So I took the bottle. I opened the lid and I saw it go down the sink and I said, no more control. He had to do a lot more stuff to help him out. He went to AA, he, he got some help, but that was the moment when he realised this was controlling my life. I wonder what controls my life. Ever been down to a restaurant and seen, we, we sat at a restaurant the other week and we saw this table of about four people and they were having a meal together. Guess what they were doing? They all had their phones out. Hey? And I wonder how much our iPhones control our lives. Hey, I wonder how much Facebook controls my life. I wonder how much that phone that's in my pocket and on my watch and on my computer, when it beeps, I straight away turn to it. Who's controlling Steve Hall? Who am I a slave to? My phone? My Facebook? All those people? And I can't. I wonder if that sometimes takes us away. 
from being intimate with Jesus. I wonder if we would lose the phone for a while. I wonder if we would just turn off Facebook for a bit. I wonder if we would just go and say, it's just you. Yesterday, Marg and I were, we were down, down near the beach and I got to do a walk on the beach by myself and it was so beautiful and I thought, Lord God, why don't I do this more often? Because there's so many demands on your life that causes you to have to be a slave to it. What are you a slave to? What is it that's determining your day? Because Jesus said that he came to set the captives free. That was the promise. Look at this. He said, I will free you, what? From your oppression. I will free you from the things that are controlling you. I will free you from those things. That was his promise. First one, I am the Lord. The second one, I will free you. And then what's the third thing I find in this scripture? Third thing is this. Oh, sorry, I didn't actually talk about one other thing that's really important. Go back again. I discovered in my experience with my claustrophobia how much fear controls who I am. It does, doesn't it? Fear controls what we do. That's what terrorism's about. If I can make you scared, I can control what you do. I can stop you from going up buildings in case a plane comes. I can stop you from going out to the footy in case someone's going to blow up the footy. I will stop you out of fear. It didn't stop us yesterday. But I can stop you from fear, with fear. Fear of what, what, what life's about. Fear about losing something or someone. Fear can take me away from the person of God. Fear that I might miss out. Fear that if I did this, what if I missed out? Fear of people might think I'm stupid if I tell people I know Jesus. Fear could take me away from intimacy. So here we go. Let's go into the last thing I noticed. Is when those guys went to Pharaoh and they went, will you please stop it? We'll just do what you want. We'll do whatever you say, but please don't put pressure. We'll, we'll get that quota happening, but please take the pressure off your people or you won't have anyone else to serve you. They were in a place of hopelessness. And hopelessness is another thing that gets in our way. And Jesus says, I have come to give you hope. Would you come and embrace me? I will give you hope. Notice this here, I will be your redeemer. I am your redeemer. My redeemer lives. Is Myrtle here? I went and saw Myrtle and she said, you know, my favorite, I always remember that word redeemer. She said it's a special word to me, redeemer. It's got a beautiful ring to it, hasn't it? See, the redeemer is somebody who comes along and sees you in debt and pays that debt for you. The kingsman redeemer is the person who is your relative, who sees if you've lost something, will come and pay all the debt, will take you back under their wing. And that's what Jesus, he would do for us. He says, you know what? Those debts, those things that you're stopping you from being the people of God I called you to be, I've actually fixed that. You see, here's my challenge for us today, as I really want to pray into and say, God, call us up to the mountain. Let my people go that they might worship me. God, what are the things that are binding us? What are the things that have controlled us? What are the things I've become 
a slave to. It might even be opinions. It may even be relationship stuff. It might be stuff that just stops me because it goes around in my head, 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 and I can't get it out. And the Lord says, if you let me, I will be your redeemer. If you let me, I will be your Lord. If you let me, guess what? I will take you out of captivity and out of oppression. If you let me. God wants us to come to him. He's made it possible. He's made the pathway possible. He calls us. Come. Because his glory and his beauty and his love is there. And you won't get it by hard work. You get it by submission. By submission. By letting him become that. I might have told you the story, but it's an important story. Is that team up here? It's an important story. And I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. But it was a significant story for, for me. That a few weeks or months ago now, Jaden and I were over, and we decided that we just wanted to go to the Hillsong Conference. So we went to the Hillsong Conference. And uh, Jaden's good to have around, right? Because he, he can organize things. And so Jaden had organized for us to stay in a dodgy hotel. Not complaining, but it was dodgy. And we had to find our way by train to the conference. Now, we're in Sydney. We're Perthites. I live up on a hill. What's a train? So we found this train to go to where we went. Only there's two trains that go to where we went. One was a long train and one was a short train. We picked the long train. Halfway through the trip, we realized this fact, so we decided that we would rig up an Uber. So we got off the train and we got an Uber and we said, can you get us to the Hillsong Conference ASAP? They said, not a problem. So we got to the Hillsong Conference. I was really busting to see the opening of the Hillsong Conference. It's absolutely spectacular. But we were going to miss it because we were a little bit late. We get there. We went to the gate. Sorry, this is the wrong gate. Thank you. You've got to go to that gate. So we went around the corner. I said, come on, Jade, let's jog. So we're jogging around this stadium, this big stadium. We hadn't won the grand final or anything. We were jogging around the stadium. And we get around to the gate, and they said, no, you've got to go to the next gate. Not a problem. We'll keep on jogging. So we're jogging. We're puffing. And we get into the gate. We go through. We said, where do we sit? They said, you are the highest place. I said, thank you very much. So we go up to the highest place. We're sitting at the top. We walked in. I gave my tickets to the lady. And she said, oh, yeah, just sit over there. We found our seats. And as we sat, they sang this song. And this song, as I listened to it, as I allowed it to just to soak up in me, it was like Jesus was saying, I'm taking all that weight off you. I'm going to lift that weight off you. I want to take it off you. I didn't think I had a lot of weight. But as it started to come off me, I went, whoa. I didn't realize I was so weighed down with stuff. The slavery, that fear that oppression had weighed me down. And there I was, just lost with God. It was, I was crying, 
the lady actually said to us at the end of the conference, she said, I saw you and your son walk in. And she said, I was overwhelmed seeing the glory of God on you two as you just were worshipping from your heart. You see, the presence of God wants to touch us. But he wants to lift it off us. Just close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes. There's a call of God out of captivity to a place of worship. Maybe our minds and our hearts have been caught up on many things. On many things. And there's lots of confusion going on. And you're caught up with that and it's sort of like, it drives the mind. Maybe there's a, there's a, a few habits that we've picked up. A few addictions that have got into our lives. And those addictions... Whether it be, whether it be, what we're reading or seeing on the computer, or whether it's an addiction of, of maybe even a good habit, but it drives us. It, it demands what we're going to do every day. It controls my life. Lord, show us those addictions. Show us those things I've become a slave to. Show me those things that are controlling me. Because today, your promises. That you want to be Lord. Your promise is that you come to take away that oppression and those things that are controlling us. Your promise is that you made us, you're our redeemer. And that sin and that guilt and that stuff that I feel bad about, because I know it's still there, you said, I took that away. I took that away. Don't have to be a slave anymore. Don't have to be a slave to fear. I can come into relationship. Holy Spirit, would you move on us right now? Would you restore the promise as we enter into worship?